Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the gathering. We're grateful that you're here tonight. We have a new endeavor in front of us. Closed out the letter of 2 Corinthians two weeks ago. Last week, we had a wonderful night of worship. And tonight, we are going to be plugging along into a new adventure through the Old Testament, through Psalm, 100, Psalm 89. But first, what I want you to do, you guys have some papers in front of you and maybe some pens. Hopefully, you have some pens on you as well. Christina and Margarita were so kind. Give it up for them. They were passing out papers to everybody tonight, <laughs> papers and pens. We're going to start with a little... Uh, exercise at your table. Now, this may be kind of out of your element. It may be very strange and very foreign to you, but I want to do this at your table. I want you to work as an individual first for a couple of minutes and write a song. Just write a song. Could be like a poem. You don't have to sing it. And then in a couple of minutes, we'll come back, and then we're going to uh, share these songs. But make sure these songs are written to God, all right? Write a song to God. Ready, go. Uh, find a pen or blood or something like that. Blood, boogers, I don't know. Uh, you can do it in your phone too, it doesn't, doesn't matter. If, if you don't have a pen, you can do it in your phone or something. All right, get creative, get writing. That's okay. Did anyone... Uh, what was your song? Was it like hip-hop, smooth jazz, classical, reggae? All of it, right? All of the above, everything. All right, well, let's bring it back together. You can continue working on your Grammy award-winning song later. Uh, give, give all your uh, song inquiries to Jeff Foss. Jeff Foss, Foss at journeythechurch.org. We got a winner back there. Uh, well, the amazing part about writing a song, I know this could be like really difficult uh, for some people, maybe you've never done this before, but the amazing part about writing a song is that you are contributing something to the face of this earth that has never, ever, 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 ever been done before, unless you completely plagiarized and copied a song that was already written. But how amazing that is to create something that has never, ever, 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 ever been created before, but for God. You know, have you ever wondered why do we sing at church? Like, we have some amazing musicians, some talented people leading us in worship, but like, why do we sing at church? Why do we incorporate songs into the worship of God? Like, why do you think? Just shout it out. Okay, yeah, but it's a form of worship, but why do we sing? Reverence, but singing. Why do we sing? I know that it's reverence, yeah, but like the physical act of, yeah, speak at the same, everyone speak at the same time. I can get it. So wait, wait, Lisa said feelings? Feelings. So there's some like emotional thing that happens when we sing. Lol. Make a joyful noise. Some are more joyful than others, some are, yeah, Billy? A proclamation, a proclamation. yeah, Mary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're from my heart. They're powerful. Exactly. It has something to do with, yeah. It prepares your heart for worship. Okay, yeah. Judy. We were created to sing. I like it. I like it. One more. Yes, Bill. Yeah, I love that. You ever think about music as a gift? Like, music is incredible. Like, sight, like hearing. Yeah, last thing, right here. It pleases him. Okay, good. You know, it's beautiful, right? I think that's, we love hearing songs. I've met one person in my life who doesn't like music. I'm like, really? There's no, like, out of all the genres of music, you don't like music at all. I've met one person, one of the weirdest guys I've ever met. But what's beautiful about music is that we get to join with people's past in the worship of God through song. And I don't just mean like the 1990s with Shout to the Lord. You know that jam? You, some of you guys, that's your song, right? Shout to the Lord, Days of Elijah, Trading My Sorrows. You wish we could bring those back, right? Put them on the prayer request. Uh, I don't just mean the 1800s either. We don't just join the people of the 1800s with it is well and rock of ages and holy, holy, holy. But we get to join the praises of a thousand generations well before 1000 BC when we worship through the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms in the Bible, we join in with the praises and the laments and the worship that spans the length of human history, and that's pretty incredible. And so tonight what we're doing is we're beginning with Psalm 89. But before we do, let's talk about Psalms. Really important thing that we just gotta get out of the way at the very beginning is the terminology. When we talk about one Psalm, we say Psalm. We drop the S, P-S-A-L-M. When we're talking about the book of Psalms or multiple Psalms, we include an S. So when you come up here and you're reading or something like that or you're giving communion, you say Psalms 32 says this. It's like, wait, but what's the other psalm that you might be reading? So it's just a terminology thing. When we talk about Psalm 89, it's singular. When we talk about the book of Psalms, it's plural. Now that's not really interesting stuff, so let's get to the interesting stuff now. The Psalms show us that God is deeply involved with us. And in the Psalms, that message gets affirmed through many different voices, through poets and storytellers, prophets, kings, teachers, and we call these people the psalmists. And we hear them crying out to God across the full range of emotions, from grief to joy, from uncontained rage to dumbfounded gratitude. The Psalms, they help us to worship in a way that is gut-wrenchingly honest. When I'm angry, when I'm sad, when I'm feeling amazing, or when I'm just feeling all right, the Psalms are there for every single season. We have three basic categories when it comes to the Psalms, laments, curses, and praises. Let's talk first about laments. This would be like crying out to God. Take, for instance, Psalm 6-6. With my tears, I wet my mattress. What, what incredible imagery we see there. But through the Psalms of Lament, you're asking God to create the conditions in which it will become possible for you to 
offer praise again. Laments are incredible. They actually are the most common psalms throughout the book of Psalms in the Old Testament, but they regularly trace a complaint back to confidence in God. But the amazing part is we don't know if the external situation has changed for the better, but something has happened inside the heart of the worshiper. Well, next we move on to curses. These would be psalms of frustration and anger, right? Because we, we experience these emotions. Take, for instance, Psalm 58.8. May they be like snails who dissolve into slime. But surely Christians should not recite these angry psalms, right? Because we don't experience anger or frustration anywhere, right? We've been redeemed. We've been released. I'm no longer a slave. I'm a child of God. But I still get angry sometimes. I still get frustrated. And so cursing psalms are good. They are actually a method for bringing out our frustration in a way that's honest, in a way that is appropriate before God. And so by praying through these words of the psalmist, our frustrations are guided back to confidence in God. He can handle it. He can help you cool off. And, and furthermore, about these cursing psalms, they are healthy and restorative acts that not only work to better the individual, but the community as a whole, because you're dealing with your junk. But that is if they are used responsibly. And now let's move on to the third and final uh, one that we're going to explore tonight, and that would be psalms of praise. Psalms of, of great joy. I know that's kind of hard to see there, but this is what it says in Psalm 135. Praise the Lord. You know, you got to throw in a couple of different vowels in there, right? Praise the Lord. Say it with me. Praise the Lord. For he is good. Let's just say that one more time. One more time for fun. Praise the Lord. For he is good. Through psalms of praise, we discover how much we already have been given. Already. And it's not flattery. It's not like we're trying to kiss up to God in hopes that he will give us what we really want. But these praises are sung and they are recited in the full awareness of the difficulty, the unrelenting difficulty of human life. I'm still going to praise God in the middle of the storm. Praise the Lord for he is good. So when it comes to Psalm 89, how should we classify this psalm? Is it a lament, a curse, a praise? Well, it's ordinarily classified as a royal psalm, a psalm that praises God for the king. But Psalm 89 is kind of like the kitchen sink with everything thrown in, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, various types of material. So let's begin tonight with just two verses. If you're able to stand... Come and join me as we revere the word of God. Psalm 89, verses 1 and 2. A psalm of Ethan the Ezraite. I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. And God, tonight, we join with the people of all generations, of all places, of all races, of all political and, and spiritual denominations. 
we sing your praises, not just through words, but with footsteps, with heartbeats, with all that we are. I pray tonight, Lord, that you would set us on the right path, a path of worship and praise, where we would see your faithfulness and your steadfast love in a new light, and that we would grow as a result of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go ahead and be seated. We're gonna begin tonight with what's called the superscription. If you're following along in your Bibles, which hopefully you are, it's the part of the psalm at the very top. It's usually in smaller letters. Maybe it's italicized. It kind of gives us a little bit of the situation possibly that might be behind this psalm. So it begins, the superscription that is, a psalm of Ethan the Ezraite. In Hebrew, this actually just begins with one word, maskil, which may be a literary or musical term, not necessarily like slow jam or rock ballad, even though it would be pretty awesome to translate this verse as, this is a soulful slow jam by Ethan the Ezraite. Wouldn't that be cool? No? Never mind. That wouldn't be prudent or wise because maskil comes from a verb meaning to be prudent or wise. So this maskil might mean something like a contemplative song, a song of moral wisdom, or just a well-written song of Ethan. Well, who is Ethan? Ethan, this Ezraite. Well, according to 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 31, and 1 Chronicles 15, 17 through 18, it appears that he was a Levitical. That means he was from the tribe of Levi. They were associated with priestly things. He was a Levitical musician in David's service, King David, who had obviously some brains in order to write a song of moral wisdom. And this final thing, that he's an Ezraite, it's possibly like a family name. All right, well, maybe it was written by Ethan the Ezraite, but like, what's the occasion for Psalm 89? Well, the occasion is rather unclear, actually, but judging from the content of this psalm as it progresses, as it goes, As it changes further and further along, it sounds kind of like a time period when King David or some other king suffered defeat and was enduring great affliction. But the psalm opens up as any prayer and as any worship set and as any communication to God rightly should. You know, when we come before God, we need to think about who we are coming before. So sometimes it's great just to be quiet Stop just asking for stuff and realize who we're actually coming before. But when we come before him, we should come before him first and foremost with praise for who he is, adoration and recognition of who God is. And so that's what the psalmist does. Verse 1a, I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. One of the major themes of Psalm 89 emerges here in the first part of verse 1. It's a Hebrew word. You've heard it before, chesed. Say it with me, chesed. It begins with the letter chet, 
which you have to get saliva in your throat to say. It's impossible, so don't feel embarrassed about spitting all over the people. We're learning some Hebrew. Chesed. Chesed is a fundamental attribute of God. It means steadfast love. It means unfailing love. It means covenant loyalty. So what does chesed look like? What does unending steadfast love look like? Well, it looks like a father. A father whose, let's say, daughter is incarcerated in a maximum security prison. And she's serving a life sentence with no chance of parole. But every Saturday, this father faithfully drives three and a half hours, wakes up early in the morning, drives three and a half hours for just a 30-minute visit with his daughter, at which point, when that's up, three and a half hours back home through rain, sleet, and snow, and he does this every single week. That's chesed, that's steadfast love. So let's talk about this. Describe a time when you experienced steadfast love. What was it like and how did it shape you? Ready, go. Well, let's read uh, verse one in its entirety. Don't worry, we're gonna have a little bit more time for table talk tonight. You can continue with this uh, talk as well. But verse one in its entirety reads, I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Forever, young and old will hear of your faithfulness. And here in Psalm 89, another major theme emerges during the intro. We had chesed, now we have emuna. Everyone say emuna, a little bit easier to say than chesed. But emuna is also a fundamental attribute of God. It means something like faithfulness or firmness or steadiness. What does emuna look like? What does faithfulness, firmness, and steadfast look, steadfastness look like? Sal si puedes. Sal si puedes. If you've ever been to Santa Barbara, this is a street name. And faithfulness actually looks like the opposite of sal si puedes. Sal si puedes actually means get out if you can. A great name for a street, right? Wonderful name for a street. Uh, apparently, when the street was first named, this area bordered a marsh that would, from time to time, flood. And so the Spanish-speaking city planners dubbed this location the not-so-subtle get-out-of-it-if-you-can. A warning here to stay away. And now I think about this, and I think that the road to Calvary, the road for Jesus to where he would be crucified. I bet it was marked with sign after sign after sign that read, Jesus, get out of it if you can. Get out of it if you can. It would make logical sense to get out. It would be prudent and wise to abort the entire mission to head home, but God doesn't adhere to sal si puedes. God does not get out of it if you can. God holds on because God is faithful. God is faithful, as the psalmist says, young and old will hear of God's faithfulness. But how? How will they hear? Well, I'm singing, says the psalmist. The Hebrew literally says, I will make known your faithfulness with my pope, with my mouth. I will make your faithfulness known. 
that's what singing is, you know? Singing is using this medium, this God-given physical medium that we have of artistic beauty. And you know when you're singing the Lord's unfailing love forever, no matter how off-key you think you may sound, who cares? You're singing in your own uniquely you key, right? Everyone might be singing in the key of A, but you might be singing in the key of K. There's no key of K, but, you know, not everyone can be Jeff Foss. We can try our hardest. But Liz, Liz tells a great story of when she first met Jeff way back at Crossroads. She heard this god-awful sound, <laughs> like a shrieking animal suffering, fingers on a chalkboard harmony. Somehow, by the grace of God, this was harmonious music to her ears. Because there was this man pouring out his heart to God through song. And while other people in the congregation might have turned around, dear God, like what is going on back there? What is that hideous racket? You know what Liz said? And I quote this. Lord Jesus, keep me from stumbling. This man is divine. And she had the elevator eyes going. Remember the, the lust thing we talked about? Don't do that. She was. That was paraphrased a little bit. But you know, I'm sure God was pleased. And I'm sure he is pleased. Jeff is becoming a better singer. He is. He is. But most importantly, he's becoming a better worshiper. And as he's displayed that for us, singing of the Lord's unfailing love forever, it's most importantly and primarily and singularly about God and not us. You know, it's not about how good I sound, it's about how good God is. That's what worship is about. And I, I think we really get that here at this church. I think we do, where it's like, man, we've got... Foss singing in the key of A up here, and everyone's singing in their own key, and who cares, right? Because it's going to be beautiful to God's ears. Verse 1 and 2 says, I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last. The Hebrew says, built forever. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. Well, all summer long we've been redoing, remodeling a fixer-upper house. And like day one, we're smashing all the walls down and we're going to town on this to the point where we ended up uh, removing some weight-bearing beams, which is probably not a good idea, but we had Eric Kennelty there, uh, also known as Beast Mode. Uh, so we're all good, right, this guy. And uh, he and, and Ed Lavelle, they plan out like, all right, you're gonna need a glue lamb, rigid lamb, LVL, 18-footer, I don't know, it's like 500 pounds, some big old piece of wood that we needed to reinforce this new area that we completely opened up. And so we get this huge beam, and Eric and I are, are it was stupid that it was just the two of us, but it's on his old truck. He balances it on his head, and I'm trying to get behind him, and we, we carry it into the house. And we, it takes, I don't know how we did that, 
But then, like, we had 10 guys helping us put it up, and it was incredible. And then Eric's like, that ceiling is so reinforced, you could park a car on it. <laughs> Literally. I mean, he's not joking. Like, he would try it if you would let him, which we're not. But, you know, you could park your life on God, too. I mean, it's probably a good idea to do that. It's probably a good idea to park our lives on God because he is faithful. Let's do one last table talk tonight, a little bit longer. I'll give you some more time. But how has God been faithful in your life this past week, just this past week? All right, think about it and go ahead and share. All right, let's bring it back together now. And I want to just hear just a couple of things, like a short statement, like five seconds or less, of how God has been faithful in your life this week. Ready? Go. Somebody. You got to stand up. You got to stand up and proclaim it. You got to stand up and proclaim it. No. All right. Lowell's up. Amen. Walter, you don't have to get up. You can just say yours. He's able to get up even through the pain. Amen. Jake, you stood up. Stand up. Stand up and proclaim it. Come on. Keep it nice and short and sweet. Someone over here, come on. God's been faithful over here, right? No? All right, Judy's up. Praise God. Starting work in a Christian school tomorrow. Who's up? Come on. Yeah, Veronica. Amen. She finished nursing school. God is faithful. This table over here? No? God's not faithful to you guys. Air in the lungs. I like it. Praise God. One more. One more. Make it count. Come on, somebody. I know. I'm saying. I'm going to say. Someone else. This... Every day. Minds renewed. Wonderful. Praise God. All right, stand up and proclaim it. Tara is with child. That is true. That is true. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for letting me know. Just found out about that. How'd you know? You just told me. <clears throat> now, a couple of weeks ago, you, you guys, uh, we, we told you a little bit about um, Taylor Smith and family, the four kids, and they were involved in a tragic accident. They're still out in Texas. They're still recovering. Um, two of the boys are, they were 
fine unscathed through the whole ordeal. They started school in Texas a couple weeks ago. Caitlin, who had a brain injury, she's started school as well. She's going part-time, which is phenomenal. And Eliza, little Eliza, is still healing up. And uh, she was the one who the, the car, the vehicle, like, rolled on her, broken pelvis, uh, broken femurs, uh, all this, this sort of horrible Horrible stuff. But I got a text message from Taylor a few weeks ago. Uh, he said, sitting in rehab hospital this morning, Eliza and I streamed Journey on my phone. First day for Eliza moving herself in her wheelchair. Y'all, that's what he says, that's what they say in Texas now. Y'all singing, you're never gonna let me down. Got us dancing and Eliza spinning herself in her chair. So God is faithful even in the little things like spinning yourself in a wheelchair. And so let's continue to bank on the faithfulness and steadfast love of God. Let's sing the praises as we leave this place. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to sing your praises, to be in relationship with you, to realize that you are the faithful and steadfast God. I pray that we would take note and that we would live lives of steadfast love and faithfulness too. So send us out, Lord, singing your praises today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you on Sunday. In a couple weeks we have a bring a friend day. We call it loving the world day. That's coming up. We'll see you next time.